You can take your Bible and turn to Matthew 5, 8, or if you have your church app, you can open it up and turn to the Bible and it'll open there. Matthew 5, 8. We'll read this out of the New King James Version this morning. Matthew 5, 8. You know, in that song, uh, Good Father, it says, when the darkness is holding on, God is still holding on to us. And Sometimes in life, it seems like dark moments come and those dark moments uh, continue to hang on to us, but uh, God still hangs on to us during those dark moments. Matthew uh, 5, 8, as uh, today we're winding down the series of messages I've been preaching on, a heart like yours, Lord, and looking at God's word at at, uh, what the scripture tells us about how that we can have a heart like the Lord and how that we what God expects of our hearts. And this uh, morning we're looking at a pure heart, as it tells us in Matthew 5, 8. And it tells us this, it said, Blessed or blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Correlation there is that uh, when our heart is pure, when, when our heart is right, then as the Scripture says, we will see God. And the word that was used there for see is the word horo, which means not only to visually see, but means to see in a way that you understand, that you kind of get a knowledge of. So, and it was written in the futuristic uh, tense. So as we look at this verse, it's saying that those are blessed or blessed or happy. The word blessed there means fortunate, to be happy. Saying happy will be, And blessed will be those who have a pure heart, for they shall understand God and see Him for who He really is. And so if we just expand that, it's not just we'll be happy and if we'll have a pure heart, one day we'll see God, but is we're going to be blessed, fortunate, and be very happy as we with a pure heart, seek God and get to understand him and know him more till one day we see him face to face. Now, when you think about a pure heart, probably in some people's minds, they would immediately think, okay, a pure heart means a a perfect heart. And that's not me. I just can't quite get there, preacher. Uh, If you're saying that the only way I'll understand God and the only way that I'm going to see him eventually is that I've got to have a perfect heart or I'm going to be a perfect person, I don't know if I can make it. But a pure heart in these scriptures is not talking about perfection. It's not about a perfect heart, but it's about doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord striving to please him because we know that the Bible tells us that the only one that had a perfect heart was the Lord and the Bible tells us he was tempted just as we are yet without sin. So his heart was completely pure. It was completely perfect. But we know that there was only one that was completely pure and perfect and that is the Lord. We're to be continually moving to be like him, but on this earth we'll never achieve perfection. Now, knowing that is not for us to stop striving to reach for that, but we'll never fully reach there. We're just continually on a process of getting there. But a pure heart is a personal commitment. It's a commitment that is motivated from our inner being. The word heart there means your innermost being. It's your heart and your soul, who you really are. And so a pure heart is when your inner being, your motivation that comes from deep inside of you is to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. 
It's whatever you face, a temptation or a situation, uh, a circumstance in your life that your choice from your heart is, I want to choose to do what's right. I want to do what would please the Lord. I want to do really what is the right thing in this situation. Last night, the, uh, uh, the band, the musicians had a get together and had a, a low country bowl and, and uh, we were playing some cornhole. Everybody know what cornhole is? Raise your hand if you know what cornhole is. The most everybody is. You have two slanted boards with a hole in it. It's kind of like playing horseshoes, but you got a bag of corn that you're tossing to try to get into it. And uh, so we were playing and we've been playing for a while and we were playing for the championship uh, between uh, Michael, myself, and uh, Gene and Tasha. And so we were kind of going back and forth, neck and the neck, and we were kind of uh, around 13 to 14 points each. And Michael and I had scored four points, and we were saying, okay, now the score is now what? And somebody said, well, we were 14, that makes 18. And then somebody said, well, wait a minute, I thought y'all were 13, we were 14. Now, don't you hate it when you get to a point like that, you know, that you're trying to decide, well, who had 13 and who had 14 and whose who's was it and trying to analyze it. And, and I told Gene, I said, I think I throwed last, so I think I'm four, we're 14. And Gene said, well, I was thinking that y'all were 13, we were 14. And then she said, well, yeah, y'all were 14. Now, as we, later on, as we played the game and the game ended, even though Michael and I ended up winning, I thought later on, I thought, you know what, I think Jean really won the game because she showed a pure heart. I could tell in her eyes when she said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're 14, that she was thinking, we were 14. <laughs> Y'all were 13, but I'm gonna let you be 14. She had a pure heart. She had a motivation from within her that, okay, y'all were our guest. And I, when I left and I thought, Jean really won and it was her cornhole game. I should have just let her be 14 no matter what it was. But she was the one who showed the pure heart and tried to do what was right. You see, the pure heart is that which motivates you. It's what comes from within you. My motivation was I want to win. So we're 14. Jean's motivation is I wanted to be good, do what's right. So if there's a question, you can be the higher score, I'll be the lower score. You know, in our personal nature, the Bible tells us and teaches us that because of Adam and Eve's sin, we now have a sinful nature that is in us. And that sinful nature is always working inside of us and it has to be regenerated or there has to be a change of our way of thinking, a way of doing, a change of heart for us to go from that natural sinful nature heart to a pure heart to be like the Lord. And the Bible tells us that our greatest blessings are to have a pure heart, not to accept that sinful nature within ourselves. And so as I begin to look at the scriptures about the heart of man and the heart of God, there's a few things that I begin to see that will help us to know what it takes to have a pure heart that pleases the Lord. The first thing that I saw is that a pure heart requires the work of the Holy Spirit. If you and I want to have a pure heart that does what's right and pleases the Lord and really gives us a better life, then it takes the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot develop a pure heart on your own personal will and way. Now, it is something that has to be a desire of our heart and it's something that we do have to make a personal commitment and a choice, but I can't just say, all right, I'm gonna be good 
or I'm going to have a pure heart and I'm just going to always do what's right. I have to have the work of God's Holy Spirit working inside of me to create a clean heart, to create a pure heart. To emphasize that in Jeremiah 17, 9, and it kind of lets us know about where our heart is. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That word sick in one translation tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I choose, chose this particular translation that says it's sick because we don't really want to think of ourselves as being wicked, do we? That sounds like someone who kills and murders and rapes and steals. I'm not wicked. But yet we sometimes use the word sick sometimes. You, I've heard people see somebody do something and they say, man, that was sick. Or maybe a person, uh, maybe you've been like me. You know, we all have these thoughts that cross our mind sometimes that we wish didn't cross our mind. And I've had those thoughts cross my mind and I go, man, why did I think that for? That's sick. And so the Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful. It's that sinful nature within us and it's deceitful above all things. And who can understand it? We can't fully understand our heart. We can't fully get it to where we want it to be. So we gotta have something beyond our own personal self. Here's what King David, now you remember King David is known for writing songs or psalms to the Lord. He began that when he was just a shepherd boy, when he was just a young teenager. And he would be out there watching the sheep and in the nature and being out there just with the animals and just with God and just feeling a sense of being alone with God and communing with him. He would write songs and write these psalms and he would put it to music. David was known not only for the music that he loved and writing these things to express his feelings to the Lord, but even the Bible tells us he danced before the Lord. So he was one that his heart really Rejoice in the Lord. And the Bible even says that David was a man after God's own heart. So David had a heart that he wanted to be like God. And David was a man that because of his love for the Lord and writing music and expressing his feelings to the Lord, that the Lord was one who loved the heart of David. But yet the Bible tells us that David committed a sin he committed adultery, which ended up leading to him being a part of instigating the murder of this Bathsheba's husband. And so there was that deceitfulness, there was that wickedness inside of him. And so in Psalms 51:10, where David is trying to get his heart right with the Lord, here's what David said. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Why did David say, create in me a clean heart, O God? Why didn't he just say, from this day forward, I commit to have a clean heart, to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord? It's because David, a man after God's own heart, who wrote songs, who expressed in dance and in music his love and his joy of the Lord, he failed personally. And so he knew that personally he could not Create a clean heart, a pure heart within himself. And so he said, God, would you create a clean heart in me? Would you give me a pure heart and take away the sins that I have committed? And Lord, help me from this day forward, have a right spirit to do what is right in your eyes. 
Now, I don't know if in this congregation, and I don't want anybody to raise their hands, obviously, but I don't know if anybody in this congregation would put yourself in the category of David of maybe you've committed a sexual sin or maybe you've been part of trying to cover something up and instigated something worse like David. Or maybe you're not in that category. Maybe you've never committed a sexual sin or maybe you say well mine's not been that bad I've you know I've done a little bit of pornography or I've done a little bit of this let me tell you that you cannot overcome those things within yourself you have to come to a conclusion just like David and that is Lord I want to have a clean heart I want to have a pure heart I want to do what is right in your eyes I want to have a right spirit within me so Lord would you create in me a clean heart What David is asking is, Lord, bring your spirit inside of me and begin to take out my lust, my desires, my faults, my failures. And Lord, would you put your spirit inside of me to fill that void so I'm not looking for something that I shouldn't be looking for, but I'm just happy to be in a right relationship with you. All our sins, sometimes we look at and we don't, See them as being as bad as like a David. But you know, the Bible tells us that all sin separates us from God. Whether it's a lie that we've told, whether it's pornography that we've looked at on the internet, whether it's something we've taken that's not ours. I remember years and years ago, I was preaching a message about how that, you know, sometimes we kind of get into what we feel like is acceptable things to do. It's really not hurting anything. Maybe it's taking something from work that really belongs to the company and we haven't asked for permission, but they're not gonna miss it and they're really not even using it and you know, it'd be okay. And so we take it and we kind of justify that's not really stealing or not taking something. And I shared in a message years ago about how that when I was a uh, uh, probably preteen Uh, My dad had a motorcycle dealership and the guy that he rented the building from next door to him had a catering business and he had the food that he had on his catering uh, truck and then he had little odds and ends like nail clippers and this, that and the other that he would thought somebody might buy as they would come to get food and see it. And he had one catering truck that he had, uh, it had died on him and he had parked it and he had got a new catering truck and he was using it and I, as a kid, it had been on my mind as I became adult that uh, I'd got on that catering truck and he still had some of those little things hanging there. And I saw some nail clippers and they were just, you know, to a kid, they were nice and shiny. And, you know, you think, well, what's a kid need nail clippers? But they were bigger than I'd ever seen before, you know. And so I saw those and I took them, kept them, still have them. It was after that message, I had about five different people give me some nail clippers. I think it was kind of like, here, preacher, you'll feel better if you take these and get rid of those other ones. <laughs> that man's died and going on, so I can't return them to him. But uh, in our minds, we justify a lot of sins. It's not so bad. It's not going to really hurt anybody. But the Bible tells us clearly that any sin is a separation between us and God. And it requires creating a clean heart. A pure heart requires God's Holy Spirit working inside of us. And just as I was a little kid taking a little shiny set of fingernail or toenail clippers, no matter what it is, if it's outside of what would be right in the eyes of the Lord, it is sin 
And it's something that we have to ask God to create a cleanness in us. So a pure heart requires the work of the Holy Spirit, but also a pure heart requires constant attention. I don't care whether you've lived a sinful life and you've accepted Christ and now you're trying to do what's right or whether you've been the goody two-shoes most of your life and tried to always do what's right. Having a life of living with a pure heart requires constant attention. It's kind of like a baby. You can't take your eyes off a little infant infant for just a moment. I was uh, giving uh, Asa, our youngest grandchild, a bath in the tub and I'd run the water up uh, a little bit in there and, and Luke wanted to take a bath with him and so they'd got in the, uh, he got in the tub with him and Asa had sneezed and when he sneezed, a little bit of snot came out so I turned around to get a, uh, some toilet paper to turn back around to wipe his nose and in that very instant, Luke decided to go swimming and he knocked Asa out from under himself and when I turned back around, water was like this on Asa's face. And as a grandparent, I was going, whoo, thank goodness I didn't raise that water another inch. Instantly, things can change. And so our hearts are kind of like that. We've got to give it constant attention. Here's what the Bible tells us in Proverbs 4, 23. It says, above, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Meaning life flows through our heart. We experience. I want you to think for just a moment. Everybody with me say amen. I want you to think for just a moment about something that has saddened you in the last month or so. Now I want you to think of something that has brought you joy in the last month or so. I say that to say that through our heart life flows, doesn't it? There are sad moments that flow through our hearts and cause us to cry or be emotional. There are things that make us angry and stir us up. There are things that bring us joy and bring us laughter. We all experience all these different things in our life. And so the Bible is telling us that we've got to guard our hearts because life flows through our hearts. And the Bible even tells us that from our mouth, Things flow through our heart and out of our mouth. And so the Bible is telling us that life, it just flows through our heart. And so you got to guard your heart. And in James 4, 8, it says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That scripture is telling us that we have to personally be involved in cleaning our hands and our purifying our hearts. But it says we're double-minded, which means that, you know, we're, we're, we kind of bounce back and forth in struggles of temptations and giving in and not giving in. There's that battle that is going on through our lives day in and day out. And so we, it's a constant thing that we have to give attention to our hearts to guard them. And if we ever let our guard down, the devil will get us. I don't care if you're a preacher, an evangelist, a deacon, a musician, a church staff person, or whether you're a person just visiting a church. It makes no difference who you are. We all have to guard our hearts. I've been studying the Bible for years and years. I've been studying it for myself. I've been studying it to teach other people in class. I've been studying it to teach people from the pulpit. I've been trying to understand the truths of what God's words say and see the depths of it. But I still have to guard my heart. 
Because you ever, if you've ever heard the expression, the devil's got your number, that means that the devil knows how to find you. He knows how to call upon your heart. He knows where the temptations are in your personal life. I'll never forget, uh, some, probably most of you don't know a man, a preacher named Charlie Fouché, but he was talking about temptations one time. And he's talking about that for a lot of men, the sexual temptation of a woman is one of the things that the devil goes after their hearts. Now he said, this is Charlie speaking, he said, for me personally, said, uh, Christy Brinkley could walk by me, no temptation. You come by eating a Twinkie, you got my attention. <laughs> that same Charlie that same Charlie Fouché was the one that sang a song in our church, The Devil's in the Phone Booth, dialing 911. He's a unique fella, but I say that to say that we all have different temptations and they're all not the same. But the devil knows where our weaknesses are. He knows where our heart is drawn towards. And that's where he comes knocking. So we gotta guard our hearts, protect it. I mentioned David a while ago and David was on the rooftop when his men were going out to battle and Bathsheba was out at the river. And if you've ever seen pictures of Jerusalem and when I visited Israel and visited the city of Jerusalem, they had where David's uh, castle was, where his palace was, I meant, where his palace was. And it was right, the, Jerusalem was up a hilltop and it has a valley that goes around it and there's a, uh, a small body of water that flows around the bottom. And the highest point of anything in Jerusalem was the temple, but right next to the temple was David's palace. And it was right at the point where the water flowed around the end. And so I get a visual picture that David is up on his rooftop and he's at almost the highest point of Jerusalem, looking down at the watering place that's very low below. And he has a clear view of everything, including Bathsheba. And he sees her bathing and then he inquires who it is and has her brought to him and commits adultery and a sexual sin. David on that rooftop, it was right at that moment he needed to guard his heart. He needed to make the choice, I'm not gonna stand here and stare. I'm not gonna inquire further. I'm stopping it at this moment. That's how we guard our hearts. When the devil, I remember teaching a high school class years and years ago when I told him, I said, you know, you got to kind of pretend like there's a flush handle on the side of your head. And when the devil puts a thought or a temptation in there, flush it. Because if you leave it there, it's going to get a hold of you. A pure heart requires constant attention no matter who you are. And we've got to put attention to guarding the heart so the devil doesn't get a hold of it. But I want to tell you a good thing about a pure heart. And that is a pure heart is required to truly know God. The Bible tells us blessed or blessed are those who are pure in heart for they shall see God. Amen. When you and I are seeking to live a life to keep our hearts pure, and remember we're none of us perfect and it's not about being perfect. It's about a personal commitment to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord and it's your motivation. And God rewards those who are truly pure in heart that they want to know him and understand him and walk with him and please him. Here's what Psalms 24, three says. 
Who may ascend into the heel of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? It's a question. Who can really be close to the Lord? Who can come into his presence? Who can have fellowship with the Lord and know him and be intimate with him? And here's the answer in the next verse. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. Those who are the most intimate with the Lord and those who walk closest with the Lord and know him the best are those who are striving to live with a pure heart. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. If you saw the sign as you came in, there's a message on on that sign that says you can't walk with the Lord while holding the devil's hand. You can't have a pure heart if you don't guard that heart. You can't walk with God and hang on to the devil at the same time. Pure heart doesn't mean that you won't be tempted because we're all tempted. But when the temptation comes, you'll choose to do what is right. That's what makes pure heart. I would not lie to any of you and say I'm never tempted. I have lots of temptations that come in my life. But I, and sometimes I fail and I fall to some of those temptations, especially if it's cheesecake or chocolate stampede at Longhorn or something like that. I give in to temptations. But when the temptation comes, I'm striving each day to try to choose to do what is right. What is God asking of us to have a pure heart? Who are those who are blessed, who will see God, who understand him and walk in intimacy with him? It is those who have a pure heart. Not perfect, but just trying to do what is right. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I would hope this morning if I asked the question, is there anybody that's perfect in here that never sins? Not a single hand would go up. Because the Bible tells us that if we say we have not sinned, we lie. We make God a liar because we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. But it also says that he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. And what God is seeking is that we don't sin more just so that we can experience more grace. But that we seek to please the Lord more so that we can walk in a pure heart with him. I believe that God put this last message in a heart like yours, Lord, as a focus on a pure heart because I believe there's probably some some temptations that are being struggled with among some of us today. And God's saying, I know you're not perfect and you won't ever be perfect till you get to heaven. But what my desire is, is I want to bless you. I want you to be happy. I want you to be fortunate. I want you to know me in intimacy and to see me in the future. So would you choose to just pray a prayer this morning? Whatever your temptation is this morning, whatever you're struggling with, would you just choose to say a prayer like King David did in Psalms 51 and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. 
Just silently in your heart, would you say that this morning? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Because, Lord, I want to be blessed. I want to be happy. I want to be fortunate. And, Lord, I want to know you. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Lord, may your passions be my passions. May you, what you see as sin, may be, be what I see as sin. And may I live walking close to you. So if you know the Lord this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you've been struggling with temptation, if you've been kind of out of God's will, just pray, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me, and he'll take it from there. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior this morning, I want to give you an invitation to pray this prayer silently into your heart right where you're at. Dear Lord, I know that I've sinned, Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse my heart. And I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning and you really meant it, you made the greatest decision of your life. And I want to rejoice and thank the Lord for you. If you prayed that prayer to receive Christ this morning and you really meant it, will you just slip up your hand for just one second and put it back down? so I can remember you in my prayers. Lord, I thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you for your many blessings. God, thank you, Lord, that you know our nature. Lord, you know we're none of us perfect. But Lord, having a pure heart is not about perfection. It's about a personal commitment just to try to please you and to do what's right in your eyes and know that when we do that, we're going to be blessed. We're going to be a much happier person and we're going to know you in a much more intimate way. So God, I pray that you would put a pure heart in each one of us. And Lord, may we leave here today with a renewed right spirit in us. And I thank you for that, Lord. Amen.